Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Grow You podcast. Grow You is a podcast based out of Woodlands Church in Plover, Wisconsin. Our hope is to help you better engage issues going on in our culture with the truth of the Bible. If you have thoughts or questions, we invite you to continue the conversation online at the Grow You Facebook page. Come like the page and leave a comment. We hope you enjoy today's episode with your hosts, Matt and Nate. Thanks for listening. Hey, everybody. Matt here and Nate. Say hi, Nate. Hi, Nate. Oh, gosh, you suck. Um, <laughs> but I love you. Um, but welcome back to the Grow You podcast. We are uh, here again on a lovely Tuesday morning, which is kind of the recording day. So we won't tell you the exact date because when we record on Tuesday mornings, it'll just be an ambiguous Tuesday morning somewhere in the ether that we're mm-hmm. recording at. Anyway, um, welcome back to Grow You. We're glad uh, you have joined us for another episode. And uh, today we are going to be talking about uh, human sexuality and purity culture. So this is a really interesting conversation, but a couple things to preface this conversation. Um, we're not going to be doing, you know, as many of you in the Christian community have experienced, um, when we talk about sexuality and purity culture, uh, we separate men and women. Um, we're actually not going to be doing that today. Obviously, it's a podcast, so uh, <laughs> men and women, you are allowed to listen to this equally. Um, but kind of a reason for that is that um, we believe sexuality is a human thing, uh, regardless of gender. It is a human thing and a human experience, and at some level, it's really good for both genders to be listening and engaging in a conversation about healthy biblical sexuality um, what purity really means and what Jesus says about it, because as Christians, right, like, aren't we supposed to be caring about that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think uh, in that preface realm of uh, men and women, I apologize if because we are men, if we refer to, like, as men, if we kind of use that phrase mm-hmm. throughout this, yep. forgive us, and then filter it and think of it as people. Um, totally. Because, yeah, I... My, I know my wife, and I know other women, uh, and she knows other women who have walked through the same things that I have and my friends have when it comes to sexuality and yep, purity totally. culture. So totally, um, yeah, yeah. It's not exclusive to it's not exclusive to that. Now, purity culture, by the way, there's just a quick definition on that. Purity culture is is more of a last two to three decades phenomena that has occurred. So when we're saying that, what we're referring to is actually a, a Christian pop culture um, phenomena that talks about um, a behavioral management, self, almost self-made purity scenario. Um, things like buying purity rings, which by the way, is not a bad thing to do. Mm-hmm. But um, Accountability groups. Accountability groups, also not a bad thing to do. Very good. These are all good things to do. It's all um, part of purity culture. Yeah, it's all part of that. It's all mm-hmm. part of that. So um, we are going to be talking about the shadow side of that, though, mm-hmm. and some negative side, effect, side effects of that that perhaps you may not have thought of but are happening to many, many real people. And if if you are looking at um, any New York Times blogs, Washington Washington Post blogs, many books are being published about this right now. Uh, an interesting, interesting and very sad book uh, as a recommendation is a book called Pure by a woman named... Linda K. Klein, who did a massive, like, 10-year study on the topic of purity culture and its effects on women specifically in that book um, and what it has kind of left many women feeling. And it's really unfortunate. Um, But it's also, 
you know, hearing a lot of these stories. Women who were in the church. And yeah. Like grew up in the church. Yeah, right? grew up in the church. Yes. Mm-hmm. Thank you for that. Um, and I think people, yeah, we, we so often uh, don't, we think about the upside of those, these things and not necessarily say, okay, what's the downside of this, this thing? And purity culture is kind of a man-made thing. Let's be real. Uh, you're not going to find anything about purity culture in the New Testament. Mm-hmm. But what you will find are the words of Jesus yeah. and what he says about sexuality and what he says about people and yeah. purity. So yeah, uh, when I yeah when I this last how long has it been? Uh, maybe a year and a half, two years um, since the Me Too movement mm. kind of started. Yeah, um, I think it's brought to light for me how many people have been affected by abuse, yeah. um, and I, that's just not something that was in the light. And if we look at um, Again, the positive and negative sides of everything. Like, I think one of the positive things about the Me Too movement is that, for me, it's helped me understand how many people have been affected by mm. abusive either relationships or scenarios. Yeah. And that's just a really hard thing. And when I look at what Jesus has to say about sexuality uh, and how we <clears throat> relate with other people, I, I don't know if I've ever met anyone or heard any leader have a higher view of human dignity and value than Jesus, mm, yeah. especially when it comes to purity and he had, and, and, and looking at sexuality. Mm, yeah. And it's just, uh, I think this is honestly the message that our culture uh, is longing for in America uh, with the Me Too movement and across the world. But like, I think mm. when we look at the abuse that's happening, this is the message that people ultimately want to hear. And this is the view of others that people want. Um, yeah. And so we just want to start start there and kind of see what Jesus had to say. So this is in in Matthew five. This is when Jesus is addressing one of the times he's addressing a crowd of people, um, and this is one of the things that he says. You've heard it. You've heard that it was said, "You shall not commit adultery." But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Yeah, so he takes uh, an Old Testament uh, law that says do not commit adultery, and he takes it that, that one step further, which is what he's been doing um, with the Sermon on the Mountain, um, kind of bringing these ideas to a new level of not just behavior, but what's going on beneath the behavior. Yeah, and it's something, if I can interject there too, yeah, like, yeah. the Sermon on the Mount is such an easy, it's an easy passage for us to misunderstand the intent behind mm-hmm. when... Um, we tend to look at the Sermon on the Mount as a handbook of behaviors right. at times. And I think um, in this passage, we'll, I mean, reading on, Nate's going to read on here in a second, but reading on, you can understand how assessing this as a behavioral thing can be really dangerous uh, physically, <laughs> and, uh, as the next uh, few verses will tell us. But I think um, what Jesus is doing here is something very different than just listing behaviors. Yeah. And this is, what you, this is how you should live. It's not a handbook as mm-hmm. much as it is a manifesto. Mm-hmm. It's a manifesto that is redefining what the kingdom of God looks like and what its citizens would look like. Um, this is why Jesus is contrasting the old with the new. He's starting something, starting something new and afresh and different here. And this is what it looks like at its core. It's looking at um, the, not just behavior management, but, mm-hmm. but like you said, Nate, the, the heart mm-hmm. of the matter and what's going on in human souls and the mm-hmm. human condition, uh, regardless of gender. Again, like this is, this is diving deeply 
into the heart of man. Yeah. And it's, it's, uh, it's really powerful to look at, like, with, with that lens, what does this say about this new kingdom regime that Jesus is starting in the world? Right. This new people group that he's starting here um, in himself. Mm-hmm. What does that mean for us? So it's, it's really powerful through that lens and not through the behavioral management lens because that's right. not what Jesus is getting at. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'll finish reading this and then we'll kind of go back. And so, uh, so again, if, if anyone looks at a, a woman with lustful intent... Uh, he has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away, for it is better for you to lose one of your members than your whole body be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away, for it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body go into hell. Jeez. Yeah. But <laughs> if we go back to this beginning part, let's start there. I I think uh, if we look at what Jesus is saying, it's it's utterly incredible. I, I think that he is recognizing uh, that adultery is not the first place that these things start. Like, totally. Adultery is not the, the beginning point. It's kind of this end point. Yeah. Um, and that's so interesting. See, what's interesting about that is that like when you look at like anything, yeah, any like adultery, things like adultery and abuse, they mm-hmm. don't just happen. Like they're yeah. not like... They, you know, when we were planning through this episode, Nate said that as, mm-hmm. a, as a great like observation, like these things don't just happen. Yeah. Uh, it's not like one day someone's like, I just committed adultery or like I just abused a person. Like that's not what happens. Mm-hmm. They start at your, like your core mm-hmm. and they start somewhere. Mm-hmm. And this idea of it start, I, I think Jesus is saying that these things start at how you, at the core of how you see another person. Yeah. Totally. As how at the core of how you are viewing a person and, isn't it? I mean, the lustful. And we're talking about translation to read this into because we what conveys yeah. the intent of the passage best. Yeah. And this does. Just yeah. read it one more time, so we accent accent the word we're looking for. But you know what I mean. Yeah. So, but but if I but I say to you that if everyone looks at a woman with lustful intent, mm, yeah. uh, he's already committed adultery with her in his heart. Yeah. So. It's that creating of. Uh, it is that creating of a narrative and a film. Uh, really a, like a, a pornographic, like possessive narrative in your head mm-hmm. that you've already done before your actions mm-hmm. manifest themselves. And like yeah. those actions, actions that manifest themselves, they don't just come out of nothing. They come mm-hmm. from somewhere. And mm-hmm. Jesus is telling us, hey, uh, it is not about the, just the behavior management of what the law said, right? Like you don't just commit adultery. Jesus is looking at the human condition of it is something inherent in ourselves to want to own and possess and abuse things. And there's something, there's some truth to this that even in like way, way back in Genesis, like this is a theme that started in Genesis, right? Mm -hmm. Like, and the, the wonderful Tim Mackey would say this, that any (laughs) theme or thread you see running throughout the Bible, you will see it somewhere on the first three pages of the Bible. Mm It starts there because what we see at the beginning of scripture is God creating this good world and human beings uh, being made in the image of God to dwell with God in this good world. But human beings choose to own and possess themselves rather than be being owned and possessed by God. Mm-hmm. They want to define morality for themselves. That's why they eat. That's why Adam and Eve eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil because they want to define morality for themselves and uh, they don't want God to define it for them. And they want that like quote end quote independence mm-hmm. and freedom and they take it 
And ever since then, what you see is human beings uh, not doing what God created them to do, to yeah. rule justly. Like when you reflect God's image into the world, you rule justly, you rule fairly, you, uh, you build cultures, you build cities, mm-hmm. uh, you take what God has made and you make more things. And uh, you rule those cultures and those cities justly and rightly, not abusively or selfishly or for self-gain or power, but human beings do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the whole point of what Jesus is getting at here. He's yeah. reminding his audience of like, hey, in this new kingdom, this new regime that I'm starting in myself, mm-hmm. I'm inviting you to it, but you got to do what Adam and Eve didn't. What the, like, you got to do what people d- didn't do. Mm-hmm. And give yourself back to me and let me redefine you a little bit and say that uh, you can't just own people anymore because I own people. Mm -hmm. You can't just take people and do what you want with them, starting in your head and your heart. Mm -hmm. You can't let alone your actions. You cannot do that. Mm -hmm. And I think like what you said about the, the notion of like our culture is longing to hear this. And what did you say earlier? Was it... The culture is longing to hear this message that people are valued and respected. Yeah, and that the, yeah, yeah, and they shouldn't be used for other people's benefit. So it, totally, like you look at this passage, and this is kind of what Jesus is saying. Like if if you're walking through the gym or you're working out or you're at no one goes to the mall anymore. I was gonna say at the mall, <laughs> <laughs> no one goes to the mall. It's true. If though. you're at Walmart, Target, I don't know. A store. Let's say Target. If you're at a store, like <laughs> or, or if you're anywhere walking down the streets, yeah. And and you, the, what he's basically saying here is, if you're looking at a woman with lustful intent, or you see a man in a movie, a two. Yep. If you're watching a yep. movie, or a person, if you're uh, looking at any other person with yeah. lustful intent, yeah, yeah. Um, what you're basically doing is you're you're taking their body mm-hmm. and you're using it without their permission yep. for your own pleasure. Keyword, without their permission. Without their permission. That these people who you're seeing walking on the street or people that you know, that you're that you're kind of playing that idea of that film in your head, that yeah. you are, are using lustful intent, mm. you're, you're taking someone's person yeah. and you're using it without their permission for your own benefit. And the crazy thing about this one is they'll never know. Oh, my gosh, yeah. They'll never know. And so it's easy to... to just keep doing that. But I think that's what our, that's what we need to hear is that we, we are not called to use people for our own gain, Yeah, especially in this realm of sexuality. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And, and I think that's the, the message that Jesus is bringing. And that's what our culture wants. Our culture does not want people to be used mm, yeah. for other people's gain. Yeah. That's, and frankly, I mean, frankly, that's what uh, a, a great thing that Me Too has brought about in mm-hmm. the sense of uh, men and women are able to say, uh, I'm not owned by said abuser and mm-hmm. they, people need to know that this happened. Yeah. And, um, that's, that's a really great thing that many people have felt the freedom to actually, uh, say that because I mean, statistically speaking, people who are abused, like just don't talk about it. Mm-hmm. Histor- historically, mm-hmm. uh, abuse is not something that is talked about, right. but this is, and this is the insidious piece of this, and the, the insidious piece of the human heart, the dark part of it, is that, like like you said, people can, you can use other people and they won't know it. But what we definitely see is, what we definitely see is that things like abuse and things like adultery, like, they start somewhere. Mm-hmm. They start, and unusually enough, they start somewhere that is not sexual, mm-hmm. oddly enough. Mm-hmm. That, like, sexuality is a reflection of something that's 
almost explicitly not sexual, which is the interesting part. Let's explain that a little more. Yeah, uh, this this takes us into a little bit of a next like a next segment of this conversation okay. about identity. Yeah, um, and how sometimes we uh, we don't nece- we don't necessarily see sex as the tip of the iceberg to things because. Um, our sexuality as the tip of the iceberg to things because we see our, it. As, we see it as everything. Under it's the, water. the iceberg. Yeah, it, it is, is the... the iceberg, and that's okay. and um, that's why, like in marriage, right? Like many many prep. Um, so whether you're married or single, I think we can all. If you're in in this Christian subculture, I think we can all somewhat affirm this. Uh, I think the majority would affirm this. Perhaps the minority wouldn't. But we talk about marriage. What's the first thing that a lot of people talk about? It's sex. But no one talks about, like, holding your wife's hair back while she's puking because she's sick. Nobody talks about, like, the arguments that spouses get into. Nobody talks about anger. Mm -hmm. Anger. Nobody talks about greed in their marriage. Nobody's, like, that's not talked about. Selfishness. Um, How to spend your money together wisely. Sure, you talk about this stuff in, like, premarital counseling if you get that, which you should. But, like, one of the first things that our minds go to is sexuality. Even... But that comes from somewhere. Yeah. I would say even in even when you start dating someone in the Christian yep. subculture, like the one of the main conversations is okay, how do we stay pure? Yeah, and and that word means how do we stay pure sexually? It doesn't yep. mean anything else like, yeah. in the relationship. When you say purity, yeah. When you say purity, I'm not like if Nate said, Matt, how's your struggle with purity? He's not asking me about my temper. Let's be real. He's not asking me about like my financial habits. He's not asking me about my stewardship. Uh, the uh, my the way that purity is thought about yeah. in our culture um, has been narrowed down to sexuality. Totally. Not necessarily a good thing uh, or a bad thing, mm-hmm. but that's just that's just where purity purity in Christian subculture is now defined in sexuality. Totally. When it's talked about among people. Yep. But. We're yeah, going to go, go into that a little more. I yeah, think. exactly. And that's and that's kind of where that I think that conversation leads us in the sense that like there's more to being an image bearer of God than your sexuality. Mm. Like you are created to be a sexual being, but sometimes with identity and idolatry, I call it idolatry more than identity, idolatry. Um, what happens with it is I think we've made idols of something before we even know it. And next thing you know, we, because scripture is clear on this, you become like what you worship. You're, you're, you are, you are what you eat regarding worship and idolatry. Um, when you spend all your time thinking about purity in the form of sexual purity, at some point, like, you label yourself as a sexual being, which you are, like, you are that. But that's, like, fourth on the list of, like, <laughs> biblical values of, like, what you are as a human being. Like, you're you're an image bearer of God first and foremost. And sexuality should be, like, healthy sexuality should be a repercussion of that, not something that is first and foremost pursued because Jesus loves you. If that makes sense, mm-hmm. like there's, it's it's a fine line that we're talking about here, mm-hmm. and hear us clearly. We're not saying that like because of this you could behave however you want. Like this is not that's not at all what we're getting at because mm-hmm. Jesus is very clear that there is a right way to live, and that that right way includes uh, following what he says is a right, a right healthy sexuality. Mm-hmm. But purity, like when we say that, we're not talking about other sins. We're, we almost, it's almost like the, the subculture language that like we explicitly, no, we're, no, we know we're talking about sexuality here mm-hmm. and there's so much danger in that. And I think, uh, this is why actually, so this might be a good time to jump to Colossians two. Yeah, I think that's great. So if you have a Bible, um, we're going to jump to Colossians chapter two, uh, towards the very, very end of the chapter. 
uh, in verse 20. Mm-hmm. All right. So remember that when we were talking about the Beatitudes and Jesus is talking about that, he's not talking about a behavioral manual. Beatitudes mean Sermon on the Mount. Yeah, Sermon on the Mount. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> whoops. Um, oh, whoops. <laughs> I whoops. Whatever. Sermon on the Mount. Beatitudes are a part of that. Um, so, they are. Yeah. My B. Oh, sorry. My um, gosh. What? No, wow. That was super We might have pitched. to edit that out. No. <sighs> Is beauty. Um, thank you, beauty. <laughs> so, um, yeah, but in, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is not talking behavioral management. He's talking manifesto of the new kingdom and the new people he's starting in himself. And that means that we are people who look at our hearts and we are people who say our hearts are desperately wicked beyond all measure and we need Jesus to make us right again. That's, that's the people we're talking about. Um, so he's talking about the reality that we live in, in the kingdoms of the world, and the kingdom of God is different, and it's set apart in different ways. So uh, Colossians 2, verse 20 says, if, if with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of this world, why, as if you were still alive in the world, do you submit to regulations like do not handle, do not taste, do not touch, which refers to things that all perish as they are used, according to human precepts and teachings? These have indeed an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and asceticism, which is essentially severe treatment of the body, asceticism and severity to the body, but they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. So this is, this is Paul echoing Jesus mm-hmm. in so many ways in the sense that uh, as we approach sexuality, biblically, what combining Jesus and Paul together, what are they saying here? Uh, they are not saying that your sexuality is meant to be behaviorally managed, that like you have the sin and what purity culture would tell us is that you manage the sin until you've arrived at a healthy place. It'll tell you that you'll never arrive, but it's all about your management and all about what you do to fix your sexuality and all your behavioral management to get it to the place where Jesus demands it to be. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that's what Paul's saying here at all, actually, because of the reality. I mean, Paul echoes a little bit of what Jesus said, right? With the, yeah, it's not about like severity to the body. So when Jesus says, gouge out your eye, cut off your hand, he doesn't actually mean gouge out your eye and cut mm-hmm. off your hand if it makes you sin. Like he doesn't mean that. That's not mm-hmm. what he's saying. Again, this is an assessment of the heart mm-hmm. and looking at the heart. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if you fast forward to Colossians 3, verse 1. Oh, sorry. I good. think just even in what you were just talking about, I mean, when you say behavior management until you arrive at something. Yeah. If you've been meditating on the gospel uh, for any portion of your life, you probably feel some dissonance with that statement. Oh my gosh, Because yeah. it's just such a, that's anti the good news of, of Jesus. Mm, like the, yeah. the point is that we we can't arrive anywhere on our own. Yeah. That, that it's not about our behavior and then we're accepted by Christ. Yeah. That's just not the, that's not the story. So to, to, to take, to take sexuality and that's kind of what's happened to take purity, mm, purity, sorry, yep. not sexuality, to take purity and create it to be this behavioral management, um, just goes against what the gospel speaks mm. into our lives about, about our lives and who we are and how we, how we can live as a image bearer of Christ. Totally. Of God. So no, totally, man. Cause that's, that is such an interesting, such an interesting piece to this conversation. Cause I think many conversations I've had with people about, this view that we are discussing right now about uh, sexuality and purity culture, one of the immediate reactions I get is, and it's to be expected, are you saying that we can 
kind of do whatever we want? It's like, no. Again, like we said this earlier in this episode, like, no, you can't do whatever you want. Mm -hmm. If you say Jesus is the Lord of your life and you follow him and his teachings, then you can't do whatever you want. That's pretty Mm -hmm. clear. We're not saying that. Mm -hmm. But there's a right starting point with this conversation and a wrong one. Mm -hmm. And the wrong one is behavioral management. Yeah. That is the wrong starting point. And I think... I feel, you almost feel a double dissonance in this, the dissonance with the reality of the gospel that, like, it's not about what you can do. Because mm-hmm. let's be real. If the gospel applied to sexuality is all about what you can do, there is a sad reality that that, that would be an exclusive gospel mm-hmm. that weeds out people who have not met the standard, which is everyone, though. <laughs> like, there is an ideal of sexuality, but every of, of human sexuality, right? There's an ideal of that. But nobody's met that. Mm-hmm. And Jesus is clear in that, in that Matthew 5 passage, that whether, whether your actions have manifested or your thoughts have manifested themselves, you still have thoughts. And that's mm-hmm. like, if you think or act, essentially what Jesus is saying, if you've ever thought anything or done anything in your life, you've probably screwed this up, <laughs> like, which is okay. That's, uh, that's true. But so what, what's Jesus getting at here? Uh, well, Colossians 3 that's a great segue into Colossians 3, because uh, 3.1 says, if, if then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not mm-hmm. on things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. It's not hidden in uh, some identity as a sexual being, explicitly. It's hidden in being an image bearer of God who, is de- who has fallen because of your sin, but is made righteous with with God again. You are made right with God. Your relationship with God is declared good and you are declared pure by Jesus. You're not declared pure by yourself and your actions. You're declared pure by Jesus. Um, verse four, when you, when Christ who is your life appears, then you will also appear with him in glory to finish out that little passage there. So ultimately there's, there's something going on here where I think I just, it's, it's unavoidable that the wrong starting point is so often where we start in the behavior management side of things Mm -hmm. and that purity culture would tell us even by by raw like definition that purity is something you attain but you'll you'll never attain it Mm -hmm. it's impossible for you to attain it on your own Mm -hmm. there's this reality that uh, for those for those who are we've been talking about jesus starting a new family and a new people group in himself right in the kingdom of god that's those, those people that are part of that kingdom of God, those are his followers, people who have said, Jesus is Lord of my life and I trust him. And when you do that, what happens to you is that Jesus says, okay, you've admitted your weakness. You've admitted your wrong. You've admitted your inability to do anything for yourself at this point. And uh, because of that, you're relying on me. And when you rely on me, Jesus says, I'm, I declare you pure and righteous in God's eyes. God, mm-hmm. God being the ultimate judge of the human heart. Jesus says, I declare you righteous. Your actions can't declare you pure or righteous. I do. Mm-hmm. And uh, this, this metaphor falls really short in the seriousness of, of mm-hmm. what this means for us. But um, I like to say, this is just me. So this is as weird as this is. Take it or leave it. Um, the, uh, <laughs> Before analogy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jesus' purity extends beyond sexual purity. Oh my gosh, yes. Oh purity, my gosh. kind of we mentioned purity in your anger, yeah. in your emotions, purity in your uh, greed with your money, purity mm-hmm. in all, every every area. Yeah. That's where purity really is and where it comes from from Christ. Yeah. And um, 
That's just yeah. a big deal. That it, purity spans all of those things. Yeah. See, the behavior, the behavior comes afterward. Yeah. When you recognize that Jesus loves you as you are, the behavioral changes mm-hmm. that perhaps we need to do a better job of aligning ourselves with what Jesus says is right behavior, those come afterward. Mm-hmm. They don't come first. Mm-hmm. They can't come first. Like, you're not capable of it. That's the irony of the purity culture is like you just cannot do that first. Mm-hmm. And we can't preach an ideal to people that they can never meet. Right. Um, what we can preach is a God who loves you despite what you cannot meet mm-hmm. and will help you get there. Mm-hmm. And so like, so I like to say that this is that, – that idea of being declared righteous by Jesus – is like is like getting a new pair of jeans, right? Like you have that old pair of jeans that is broken in and comfy or a pair of sweatpants that's really comfy. But when you get a new pair of jeans, uh, they're not broken in yet and they can be a little tight and they can be awkward to fit into. But the more you wear them over time, the more they break in and the more they become just part of your normal life. And that's so much what a walk with Jesus is like for any area of your life, not just sexuality, but for any area um, in the sense that Jesus tells us to live differently. Uh, he gives us a way of life that is so different than the world's way of life. And we have been living that worldly life uh, long enough, most of us, to say, wow, this is a little uncomfortable to live like Jesus tells me to. But when Jesus declares you righteous, you have a new status over yourself. And you're called to live into that status, to put those genes on and try to live that way. And it's going to be uncomfortable sometimes. And it's going to be really hard sometimes and difficult and painful even Um, but the whole point of Jesus coming into the world is that like, he assures us, he goes with us in those things. He doesn't just leave us to manage ourselves. He gives us the Holy spirit to, to, to help that. And he goes with us. And there's speaking of the Holy spirit, uh, it's another side of this that is really interesting, uh, in the purity culture, in the sense of like, if my life is all about behavior management, what room does the spirit have to counsel me in everyday things? Uh, a little less. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> if it's all about my rules and regulations, which by the way are not bad. Uh, things like accountability groups and uh, devices on your computer, or like software on your computer to to filter out like pornographic websites and things like that. Those are all really, really good. Mm-hmm. Those are good things to do. Don't hear me saying that. Those are things that you should pursue. Mm-hmm. But. We live in a culture that has actually made those things the answer. And the gospel of Jesus is the answer. Mm-hmm. Those are not the answer. Right. Right? That's, yeah, it's difficult. Yeah. Oh, well, it's good. It's very, very good. I like Jesus. I do too. <laughs> <laughs> I, like, I, like, I like that he speaks to this in such a, a yeah. compassionate, grace-filled way that is not about, like, you just haven't met the standard and you haven't done this and that's, yeah. and that's too bad for you. Yeah. Um, and so much of the purity culture has said that to men and women, mm-hmm. uh, more women actually than men, unfortunately. And that's right. another display of why me too is really good because if we, if we're really honest and listen to women on this, like there's a lot of crap that they've been told that is like, deeply, deeply against the gospel. Mm-hmm. Um, but men too, you know, mm-hmm. it, there's, there's the side effect of that too. And so, mm-hmm. um, what we are not saying in this episode though, we are not saying that sexuality isn't important. No. In marriage, yeah. uh, in your life. But what we are saying is we're just trying to call out the elephant in the room that, yeah, we have so often identified with sexuality, identified ourselves with sexuality, and not identified ourselves as image bearers of God. Mm-hmm. And that stands true for the Christian subculture, not just the culture at large, which like 
you know, if you spend time in more conservative Christian circles, you'll probably hear that the culture is over-sexualized and stuff. And it's like, well, so are we. Like, so we all are. And uh, we're a product of that. And if we don't want to be over-sexualized, I think we need to start again mm-hmm. and make a, a new, fresh starting point that begins with God creating us as his image bearers and Jesus being able to redeem those of us who uh, have not done what we're supposed to do mm-hmm. and make us right again and make us new. And when he does, like that status of righteousness that he speaks over us uh, is is something we are called to live into. Yeah. Not just something that we automatically do, but with grace on our lives that Jesus gives us, we're called to live into that. Mm-hmm. So let's live into it. Let's live into it. So with that said... Thanks for listening. Yeah, that's all we got for you today. Yeah. We hope that uh, you have enjoyed this. Mm-hmm. You can donate on our website. I'm just kidding. <laughs> you don't have to do that. There's no donation. There's actually no donation. There's literally no donation thing, but if whatever. The phrase, you don't have to do that, doesn't even apply. Yeah, it doesn't actually apply. You can't do that, and we don't want do you to do that. Exactly. It's just like behavior management and purity culture. This is... You can't and won't be able to do that, okay. and we don't want you to do that. <laughs> so we'll donate for you. Yeah, by hanging out together on Tuesday mornings. Ah, oh, yes. It's and a good thing. being frightened by... Well, this... Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Nate. In our previous episode, yeah, I yeah. told the story of the guy. Yeah. This is the same day. As yeah, that we're, we're, we're recording on the same day. But, <laughs> uh, you should just retell that really quick, and then we'll end on that. Yeah. The, a wonderful story. I drove up to the Idea Center, just sitting in my car, minding my own business. It's cold, dark, because it's very early. And it's Wisconsin. And it's Wisconsin, and it's winter. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, all of a sudden, I look in my rearview mirror, and there's a, a man smoking a cigarette, slowly waving at me. <laughs> no joke. Probably in his, I don't know, mid-40s. And uh, I I almost had a heart attack. Yeah. But I looked at my doors. They were unlocked. I then locked them, and now wow. I'm okay. So <laughs> obviously, well, I'm fine. So the- it wasn't, He wasn't actually... Risk, but that just is scary. You don't expect yeah. that. That's one of those ho- scenes from a movie <laughs> where you like you wake up, or, like you shut the mirror in your bathroom, and there's somebody like right behind you. Oh yes, it's exactly. exactly like one of those. Like you look in the rearview, oh, and the man is like waving at you, smoking a cigarette in the like just the cold of winter. Like wow, slow wave. It's literally one of those like like he's waving goodbye yeah. as you suffer a horrible death. Like yep. that, that's exactly what it was. Well, that's terrifying. Yes. I would have jumped. So anyway, well, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you uh, for listening to us. And also for thank you to Nate Brown for his beautiful, terrifying story <laughs> that for some reason amuses me probably way more than it amuses him. But yeah. And continue to have conversations about this stuff. If yes. there are things that ever feel weird or uncomfortable, I think that's space to think more and have more conversation. I totally agree. I totally agree. Don't avoid the hard conversations. Uh, Dive into them and do them with grace and with Mm -hmm. peace and patience and a listening ear. Listening ear. And uh, do not, yeah, do not be aggressive or offensive, but be patient. Thank you so much for joining us. Have a great rest of your day, and uh, we will see you next week or hear you next week. Yeah, or however often we release them. Thanks for listening to the Grow You podcast. If you have thoughts or questions, we invite you to continue the conversation online at the Grow You Facebook page. Come like the page, leave a comment, and share the podcast with your friends on social media. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. And again, thanks for listening.
I've always been told they have a great face for radio. <laughs>